Well, let's uh, get our, uh, our Bibles ready. And David, good to see you back home. God bless you. Uh, I guess you're home for a couple weeks, are you? Yep. All right. Very good. Well, make sure you say hi to uh, David Almonia. All right. Um, being Christmas, I wanted to do uh, something of a Christmas theme in our Bible study tonight, and so I thought we might talk about Joseph uh, in the New Testament. We know that he's the husband of who? Mary, right? You got that one right. But aside from a few mentions in the Gospel, you know, there's really not much written about Joseph. He's not mentioned in any of Paul's writings. Interesting, isn't it? for such a man that had such a prominent uh, role to play in the, uh, uh, the, the birth, the nativity, the coming of Christ. But um, he was a wonderful man, no question about it. Now, uh, let's um, open up our Bibles here to the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 1. And you're going to need a little bookmark because we're going to be doing a little bit of back and forth. And so Matthew chapter 1. Put a bookmark there, and then go over to Luke. Luke, and um, I guess we'll go to chapter 3. We'll start in chapter 3. We're going to be looking at a couple of little verses here and there. Anyhow, I spent a long time gleaning as much as I could find on uh, Joseph to share with you tonight. And I think you'll find it interesting because there's um, some things in there that are specifically written and then there's some things that we learn by deduction. But the life of Joseph also holds some life lessons for us. And so uh, we want to be ready to uh, pick up those little nuggets. So uh, let's have a word of prayer and then let's uh, start in with our study on the life of Joseph. Our Heavenly Father, help us to understand something about Joseph. We will be meeting him in heaven. And Lord, we thank you so much for him. Uh, He seems to be just a a wonderful believer who loved you. And Lord, help us to learn some things from his life that maybe we can apply to our own. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start in Matthew chapter 1. And very simply in verse 19, um, this, of course, is uh, after Joseph learned the news that his uh, espoused wife, Mary, was great with child, and, or at least found with child anyhow. Verse 19, uh, do you have that open? Would you read that out loud with me, please? Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. And so I just want you to notice um, three words, a just man. Uh, In other words, he was saved. He was a righteous man. Now, he was living in Nazareth. That's where this takes place. And, but the most important thing here is that he was saved and he loved the Lord. And get this, he obeyed the Lord. He not only loved the Lord, but he obeyed the Lord. And you know what? If you think about it, how can a person not obey the Lord if, if they claim they love the Lord, right? It goes hand in hand, doesn't it? 
if, if someone, a man or woman, claims to be saved and uh, they claim to love the Lord, there's going to be an obedience in their lives to what God has for them. And we know that we have God's revealed will in the scriptures, things he tells us that he wants us to do. And then we have his concealed will, things that we don't know yet, like maybe what job he wants us to work, you know, or uh, what ministry he'd have us to do. And these things are concealed, but as we follow him, he reveals them to us. And he'll only reveal them to us if we're willing to obey him. If we're not willing to obey, he's not going to reveal to us any concealed truth. He'll just wait until we come to a point of obeying the revealed, and uh, then he'll reveal the concealed. Does that make any sense? Yeah. You all look a little on the tired side. You've had a hard day Christmas shopping, haven't you? trying to figure out what color of necktie to buy your pastor. <laughs> well, boy, you know, I tell you what will really wear you out is driving in this traffic. Yeah, because everyone and their dog is behind the wheel. And they're, um, they don't have a whole lot of patience at Christmas time. It's called Christmas rage. Maybe you've heard of road rage. This is Christmas rage. And uh, boy, don't get in their way. So anyhow, that's why probably a lot of people are staying home and doing their shopping online, have it delivered. Well, anyhow, back to the message here. First thing we learn here about Joseph is that he's a saved man, a righteous man. He lives in Nazareth. Nazareth. Uh, but have you ever wondered who his father was? Have you ever wondered? Because everyone gets a father, right? You know that. That's how God set it up. Everyone is allowed to have a father and a mother. You knew that, didn't you? Yes? There's, yeah. Okay, so uh, Joseph had a father. Well, uh, let's see in verse 16 here. It says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. So what does it say his father's name was? Jacob, right. Anyone miss that one? That's an easy one, isn't it? Okay, let's go over to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And uh, here we have in verse 23, it says, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. So there's Joseph, the husband of Mary, which was the son of who? Say it, I can't hear you. Hmm? Heli. Did you get it? Did you miss it? Did you get it? So in one gospel, what's Joseph's father's name? Jacob. In another gospel, what's Joseph's father's name? Eli. So guess what the unsaved do with this, right? And they say, oh, ha, 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 there's that Bible of yours again, the Bible you claim to be so perfect, all full of errors. It can't even get Joseph's father's name right. It's that bad. And that's the kind of thing that the unsaved world does. But uh, the unsaved world is crazy. Boy, they're one to talk. They can't get anything right, it seems. And the, the Bible is right. You say, well, then why does it have two, two names here? Well, there's a couple of, um, uh, of explanations. Uh, but uh, the most logical is this. There's two genealogies. 
And I uh, say, well, two genealogies. That's right. Um, King David had uh, a lot of children. He did. He had a lot of wives and he had a lot of children. What's the most famous son of King David? Solomon, right. So he's going to be in one of the genealogies. But there's another son he had by the name of Nathan. And he is in one of the genealogies as well. Now, in Matthew, Matthew traces the genealogy from King David down through Solomon uh, to Jacob to Joseph. So in Matthew, the genealogy is traced down from King David down to Jesus. In Luke, the genealogy is traced up from Jesus to King David. However, in Matthew's Gospel, from King David to Solomon, down through to Jacob, and then Jesus. But in Matthew, it's Jesus, Heli, up through Nathan to David. So there's two genealogies there. And um, say, why, why, are there, why are these two names? Well, if, uh, if you go back to Matthew, only this time actually go to 22, Matthew 22. We have a quote, uh, a clue, if you will, from the Old Testament. And this is probably one of the best explanations. This is not something that the world is going to understand because they were never brought up this way. They never knew these teachings of God and these scriptures. But in Matthew 22... We have here, um, in verse 23, we've got these uh, Sadducees, and they're a miserable bunch, and they were always trying to, to trip up Jesus. They never could. But uh, it says in verse 23, they say that there's no resurrection. And yet, they come out with this story about uh, this woman who marries a guy and the guy dies so his brother comes in and right you know the story and seven brothers and they all die mysterious isn't it why seven men would die under one woman but anyhow they say in verse 28 therefore in the resurrection whose wife shall she be well these clowns don't even believe in the resurrection according to verse 23 that was part of their doctrinal statement no resurrection they don't believe in it well Verse 24 <clears throat> says, Master Moses said, now this is a quote out of the um, old book, book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now this had real life implications and it all had to do with God keeping the Jews Jewish and keeping Israel as a uh, one big happy family. Um, now, if you were to look at the two genealogies, you would look, of course, you'd see Nathan, you'd see Solomon, um, and uh, uh, you, you trace down, you'd see Heli, you see uh, Jacob, and uh, the name before is maybe the key. Uh, and so we'll just take a quick look at that. So back to chapter 1, and we looked at uh, verse um, 16. Look at verse 
15, it says, Mathen begat Jacob. Jacob begat Joseph. You see that, Mathen? See that, Mathen? Yes? Okay, now go over to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And we had looked at verse 23. So here's Heli, verse 24, which was the son of Mathat. Now, Mathat may be just a variant spelling on Mathan. You get that sort of thing. And, um, for example, Elijah, Elias, that sort of... It's just a variant spelling is all it is. You'll even get in the Old Testament variant spellings of a name. In the New Testament, you'll get that. And so if these were the, the one and the same man, then uh, it would make uh, uh, Jacob and Heli brothers. And so it stands to reason that um, Jacob may have just died. He married a girl and died. And so his brother came and uh, uh, raised up children. And that's why you have two genealogies, like two names, two different names as the father. So you have the, uh, the legal one and you have the biological one. So anyhow, um, that may be the answer as to why there's two names there. But it's certainly uh, within reason. It's not far-fetched at all, at all, at all. Okay, let's move on with a few more things about Joseph. We know that he was a carpenter. Now, a carpenter is not like a carpenter today. A carpenter today uh, often belongs to a union. You know, they'll make $100 an hour, you know, gold-plated hammers and, and so on. It's a, a highly respected trade. Carpenters back then were different. Carpenters today, you know, will kind of build houses and, you know, they'll build a shed for you, I guess. They'll do renovations on your home as a carpenter. The carpenters back then more deal, dealt with large, heavy timber. Uh, they would be the ones who would make maybe a large, heavy ox carts or, or the wheels or something. They, their craft was a little... Now, they worked with wood, but uh, it was a, a heavy slogging kind of, a, kind of a trade. And it was a humble trade. No one got rich being a carpenter. Uh, there are tradesmen today who, uh, who do very well. They make good money. And that's fine, that's great, nothing wrong with that. But the tradesmen back 2,000 years ago, uh, they didn't make so, so good a money. And uh, Joseph uh, uh, was a carpenter, which probably means that his father was also a carpenter. So maybe Heli was the, the carpenter who uh, taught Joseph how to be a carpenter, who in turn taught Jesus how to be a carpenter. But something else about, um, about Joseph is that he was a poor man. Um, now we know that as evidenced by an offering that they gave. If you go to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and verse, uh, let's see here. <coughs> Okay, we've got verse 21, the circumcising of Jesus. Verse 22, the days of Mary's purification. 
And they came to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written, verse 23, verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law. Now that's back in Leviticus 12. Uh, a pair of turtle doves uh, or two young pigeons. And um, uh, we're not going to talk all about that and the reasons for it, but that uh, these offerings were uh, poor offerings. These two small little birds were something they offered to the Lord, evidence of, uh, of the fact that they were very poor people. There's nothing wrong with being poor. It's despised these days. Uh, and um, I'm sad to say that a lot of young people, they, um, they go to college and university and they expect that when they graduate, they're going to walk into a six-figure salary, you know, with four weeks off vacation, paid vacation, and company benefits, and medical and dental, and uh, clothing allowance, and car allowance, and a company jet. And, uh, wow, where, what's happened here? Because uh, it wasn't that long ago that it was more commonly understood that after you graduate from school, that you start at the bottom rung and you work your way up. And so uh, things have changed quite a bit. Uh, but um, uh, Joseph, he was a, uh, a growing man, uh, and he was a carpenter, probably a good carpenter too, but he was a poor man. There's nothing wrong with having very little money. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the Lord is the one who makes both rich and poor. Nothing wrong with that at all. Something amazing, though, about Joseph here is that he received not one visit by an angel. Now, if you had ever had a visit by an angel, one would change your life probably, and you'd write about it in your memoirs. Not two visits by an angel. Joseph had three visits by an angel. Imagine that. The first one, of course, was telling him to take Mary to be his wife. Do you remember that? He was uh, figuring out what to do with uh, Mary because as far as he knew, she's not supposed to be pregnant, which means she must have been doing something she shouldn't. And so he didn't want to make a public example, which means that she would have been stoned to death. He wanted to put her away privately. The... Um, marriage contract they had back then, their engagement period was for a year, and it was also to prove the virginity of the girl. And so in that year's time, if she wasn't a virgin, then it's supposed to be evidenced. And all of a sudden, there's Mary in that year, and she starts to show She's got a child. And so everyone thought, and they were talking, well, there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. She's obviously done things she shouldn't. And uh, Joseph loved her and uh, was a just man. And he was thinking, well, how can, I, how can I do this? How can I put her away and cause her the least amount of pain? And as he was thinking about this, he fell asleep. And in his sleep, he had a dream. And this angel came to him and told him, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. And the angel explained it to her. The second time that Joseph had a, a visit from an angel was after Jesus was born. And um, after uh, about two years, as much as two years, and then the wise men came. And they uh, worshipped Jesus and gave the gifts. And then uh, Herod 
was fit to be tied when he found out that he was fooled. So uh, that's when he gave the commandment uh, for his soldiers to go and to kill all of the children, uh, the baby boys, two years of age and under. And an angel came a second time and told Joseph to take Mary and the child and flee into Egypt. And that's, of course, in Matthew chapter 2. And in the same chapter is the third visit by an angel where when they were in Egypt, the angel came and told them that it's uh, Herod's dead and go back into Israel. And, of course, they didn't, when they came back in, they didn't go to Bethlehem. They went back to Nazareth. Nazareth. And so here's, here's the next thing about Joseph. Uh, Joseph brought his family, his little family, to uh, Nazareth, and uh, he fathered more children. Guess how many kids he had? Someone's going to say a dozen. Go ahead, say it. We don't know. We don't know exactly, but we know what the minimum is. And the minimum is six. He had six more, which Jesus would be one, and then six more, seven. So a minimum of seven kids, probably more, but he had a minimum of seven kids. Um, now, Joseph was still alive. He lived for many years after. And he was still alive uh, when Jesus was 12. Now, if you're in Luke chapter 2, you'll see this story here. Verse 41, the, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled their days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother... Uh, knew not of it, but they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, and when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him, and came to pass that after three days, can you imagine, three days, they must have kind of gone out of their mind a bit here, eh? uh, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. So, my guess is that they went uh, a day's journey and then that night they couldn't find him so they came back a day's journey to Jerusalem and then in that next day that's when they found him. I think that's the three days spoken of here. But obviously Joseph is still alive at this point. Uh, but he didn't, uh, he didn't make it to uh, Jesus' ministry because Jesus was how old when he started his ministry? Anyone? 30. And by that point, uh, Joseph had passed away. And he probably had passed away a few years before um, Jesus turned 30. Now, there's an interesting prophecy in chapter 2 of Luke I want you to look at it. It's an interesting prophecy that suggests that uh, Joseph was not going to live to see Jesus' ministry. And um, it's here in verse uh, 34. Simeon, he's an old guy, and he was in the temple when uh, Mary and Joseph came to present Jesus before the Lord. And so... Um, 
Verse 34, Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy, that's singular, thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so here's a prophecy that Simeon makes concerning Jesus, no doubt when he's betrayed and beaten and nailed to a cross. And the prophecy is to Mary. Well, where's Joseph? Where's loving, godly, faithful Joseph? He's not mentioned here. And so it's quite likely that there's an indication in this prophecy that by the time Jesus got up into his ministry and was betrayed and so on, Joseph was long dead. Because it was Mary whose heart was going to be pierced through with this sword. Now, of Joseph's other children, uh, they're mentioned, and we're not going to look at it all, but they're mentioned in uh, Matthew chapter 12, chapter 13, Mark chapter 3, chapter 6, Luke chapter 8, John chapter 2, Acts chapter 1, and um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and the Apostle Paul speaks of James, the Lord's brother, in Galatians chapter 1. Now, of the brothers, there seems to have been four who are named. And that I'd like you to see if you go back to Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew, chapter 13. These are the words of the uh, folks from Nazareth. So um, Jesus was a little toddler when uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus came back to live in Nazareth. And so these are the townsfolk. And when Jesus came back and uh, was a, a preacher all of a sudden, they took offense to this. Verse 55, Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, they said, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, count them, James, that's what, number one, and Joseph, that's number two, say it, and Simon, number three, and Judas, number four. Now that's not Judas Iscariot, that's another Judas. Uh, Jude, Judas, those names are related. Uh, that was a popular name back then. But there's four of the brothers that are named right there. So uh, there may have been others, um, but we don't know. But there's at least four there. Now, um, both uh, Matthew and uh, Mark uh, talk about Joseph's daughters, but we don't know how many because they're not even named. And if you look at the next verse, verse 56, you see, the same people, they go on and they say, and his sisters, plural. So there has to be at least how many? Two. There has to be at least two sisters there. Um, there could have been more, probably were. But there's six children, six siblings to Jesus. And so it could have been Joseph, Mary, and seven children. Uh, but there may have been more than that. 
And so um, these brothers and sisters, um, they're, they're not all mentioned. Um, uh, even the Lord, in his uh, beginning of his ministry, uh, they're mentioned when his, uh, his mother went to Capernaum in John chapter 2 for the wedding. You remember that? They went to the wedding. And uh, the brothers and sisters went along with them. That's in John chapter 2. Now, folks, believe it or not, that brings us just about to the end uh, of, of what there is to know about Joseph. And so I want to just wrap it up with what can we learn from Joseph? Three lessons. Uh, number one, stay humble and love and obey the Lord. That's lesson number one that we learned from Joseph way back even before he was uh, actually married to Mary. He was a humble man. He loved the Lord. He was faithful. Uh, number two, something that we learn from the life of Joseph is love your family and be faithful in the regular services for the Lord. And that's what Joseph was. Every year they made this trek up to Jerusalem. That, that cost them time. It cost them money. He had to close down his, his carpentry business there for those days when they made this trek. And, but why? It was important to him. And the things of the Lord need to be important to you and I. And there's a great lesson to learn from the life of Joseph. Is uh, love your family and be faithful uh, in the regular services of the Lord. And bring your family and make the Lord uh, the center of your family. And, and uh, you know what a lot of Christians do? Is they get their family going and then they get their career going. And then if there's any time left, they get their church going. Their service for the Lord. That's, that's backwards. Put the Lord first. The Bible even says so. You know, in, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We're always to put the Lord first. And the world certainly doesn't do that. And uh, uh, many of us get saved out of the world, and so we bring this thinking with us into the house of the Lord. And that's why we need to change that. The... Um, the ones that have the, the best opportunity are, are children that are raised right in the house of the Lord. Because then church just becomes normal. You know, it's never a question. Well, are we going to go to church on Sunday? You know, should we or shouldn't we? It's just, it's just never a question. Um, sometimes um, you, you get mom, dad, and you got, you know, three or four or five little ones, whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, one little one gets sick. Well, all of a sudden, then they say, oh, we, none of us can go to church because this little one is sick. And yet on Monday, um, the little one will stay home, maybe with mom. The rest of the kids go to school. Dad goes to work. No one stays home because it's just, you know, just, that's just what we do. But our worldly thinking uh, I think shoots us uh, in in the leg. You know, it it, it uh, we um, uh, uh, we're our own worst enemy. Sometimes we need to put the Lord first, and that's exactly what Joseph was like. He was a, a humble man. He loved the Lord. He put the Lord first, and he was faithful. He loved his family, and he was faithful. The third lesson is be prepared to do extra service for God. Uh, that Jesus Christ will be exalted. That's exactly what Joseph did. 
this whole thing in um, the virgin birth, this was well beyond the call of duty. This was way beyond uh, taking the child and fleeing to Egypt. He did it because the Lord told him to. Way beyond the call of duty. Coming back and having to set up again. Again, another big upheaval and so on. Uh, he did many things that were beyond the call of duty. And there's a lesson we can learn from Joseph. There's, there's really nothing else that I'm aware of that's taught in the scriptures about Joseph. But these things are, and the three lessons, the life lessons that I think we can get from Joseph is that he was a humble man that loved God. Uh, he loved his family and uh, he, he took his family with him on, on regular, regular service to the, to the Lord. And number three, he wasn't afraid to go the extra mile and to do something above and beyond for the Lord. So how about that? That's a good lesson, life lesson from a humble man, isn't it? There's other things about Joseph perhaps that we'll learn when we meet him in heaven because he's up there rejoicing right now. But uh, for now, that's about all the scriptures tell us. Um, it's, uh, it's amazing, though, I find that a man that was so greatly used that there's not more spoken of, uh, of Joseph. However, it is what it is. And uh, let's be thankful and let's take it and learn from it. So let's look to the Lord in prayer now.